the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Jesus and his disciples went on and passed through Galilee, and Jesus would not have anyone know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man will be del delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the second week of our sermon series where we are exploring God and addressing the basic questions that we all have. Does life have purpose? The one we're taking up today, does God exist? The one we'll take up next week, what about the problem of evil? Questions like, is Christianity too narrow, and is Jesus really God? Last week, you recall, we took up the topic of purpose. And the idea was not so much to talk about any one person's purpose, for that would be a difficult thing for any one person to tell another person, but more to establish whether or not this life has purpose at all. So we said that we have clues around us, our ability to think with our mind, our ability to perceive creation through the senses God has given us. These are things that point us to the consideration of purpose. And as you recall, I made this fundamental assertion, if we are living in a closed system, that is to say, if there is no God, then it doesn't really matter what we do at all. Because it all just ends in the grave. And it doesn't just end in the grave, it stays there for all of eternity. But if we live in an open system, that is to say, if there is a God, then everything changes. The life we live here does have meaning and purpose because it goes on forever. Or said another way, the consequences of the choices that we make in this life have eternal implications to them. So the question becomes this. How do we know? How do we know? Can we find out with any certainty whether or not God exists? Because quite frankly, we can't see Him. We, we can't hear Him. And there are many, many people in this world who because of those two realities don't believe that He's actually out there. So let's watch today's video this morning and hear different people's opinions about God. This is about a two-minute clip that we've been doing in the Explore God series. And let's, let's hear what the different thoughts of folks are. Let me put it this way. I, I, like, I like to think that God is real one reason or the other. I don't believe in God because the idea that an omniscient, loving being would judge me who is mortal and ignorant and tiny for all eternity based on a few years' experience 
I find to be rather a cruel thought. Look at everything around us, from the universe to our being to the ability to have consciousness. I think that it can only be explained by God. All the power that God has, he, she, it has given to me. So we're definitely one. I hope I hope there's there's something else out there. It'd be, it'd be fun to experience uh, whatever God has in store next. Um, either that or we're all just evolved apes. Um, there's so many things where it's just like that that couldn't have just happened. Like that has to have someone, something behind it, and I believe that something's God. no idea to be honest i was raised atheist i don't believe in a higher power but you know i also don't claim to know everything about the world and i think maybe it's a bit arrogant for people to try and believe they know the truth to anything for me yes yes it's it's obvious there are like so many things um for me personally you know so many things i've been through and after that i'm like well that had to be god the pat answer is that how can there be no God when there's all this beauty around us, but I think about evolution and science and all of that kind of thing and think, how can you not just accept it the way it is? really don't know what to believe, to be quite honest, so it's kind of just really just living it day by day and just trying to be a really good person. I don't know. I don't know if there is one, I just pretend, I guess, and hope that there's something else out there. Let me reestablish what I said last week. These are real people who hold real beliefs, and those beliefs absolutely shape how they live their lives just like the rest of us there are a variety of thoughts as we can see about God but in the end they all boil down to two possibilities either there is a God or there is not a God whatever our opinions and perspectives are they all boil down to that reality how do we know? Can we have any certainty in the matter? Well, I'm going to ask you to put on your thinking caps for a few minutes because I want to walk us through an outline, and the results may surprise you. So, so stay with me as we go through this exercise. Does God exist? Here are the logical possibilities. The theist says, absolutely, God does exist. The atheist says God absolutely does not exist. And the thing that we need to realize about both of these positions is they're what we call dogmatic positions. That is to say, both the theist and the atheist assert something to be incontrovertibly true. We can't turn around from it, right? So we come to the agnostic or agnostic more commonly called a without gnosis the Greek word knowledge the person who doesn't know without enough knowledge to come to a reasonable conclusion 
Can we know with any reasonable certainty is the question, and if so, how? So here's what I want us to look at. The agnostic, let's start from that position, the one who doesn't know, who declares he or she doesn't have enough information to draw a conclusion, is asking himself or herself, how do I know which way to go? What fundamental and most fundamental belief am I going to hold to that's going to shape my worldview and ultimately the choices I make for living my life? Well, we come to the theist and the atheist, and it turns out whoever you are, you have the same information in front of you. In other words, all we get, whether you choose to believe a theist or an atheist, is the things that have been revealed to you, what, it, what we call revelation. Creation, for example, is part of God's revelation to us. And all we get is our ability to process what has been revealed to us and come up with a reasonable answer given what we've been shown. Does that make sense so far? And here's the thing I think that people tend to have a hard time with, but it's true. For the theist and the atheist alike, they are both using faith. Whether you believe in God or do not believe in God, both assertions, both propositions are a statement of faith. So here's what I want to say to everyone in the room and anyone who will listen. The question is never, it's never whether or not a person has faith. Every single person in the world from the beginning of time to the end of time is a person of faith. The only question is, is that faith properly placed or is it misplaced? Does that make sense? We all operate by faith. And it's either placed in the right idea or thing or person in the case of God or it's placed in the wrong idea or thing. And I think the main reason that people draw the wrong conclusion simply boils down to applying an improper process to the problem often, oftentimes. In other words, we tend to take an approach used in the natural sciences and we apply it to supernatural thoughts. And we reach a faulty conclusion and it goes something like this. If God were all-knowing and all-loving and good, as the one lady in the video said then everything in this world would go right and all the people would automatically go to heaven. But because not everything in this world is good and because, in fact, many things are downright bad, then there must not be a God. A good God wouldn't allow, for example, tornadoes to terrorize people. A good God wouldn't allow earthquakes to swallow people up. A good God would not allow hurricanes to drown people. And those are just disasters in the natural realm that I'm speaking about. A good God, in other words, wouldn't allow bad things to happen to people who he made and loves. And so we come to this sort of quasi-test tube approach to God. We develop an operating hypothesis about God. We shake it up. And when the experiment doesn't repeat, or in this case, the experiment goes bad, we declare that God doesn't exist. Now, the good news, if you didn't follow this, is we record all the sermons so you can go back and listen to it again and again. But this is basically how it works. This is basically how it works in people's mind. Now, what I want to do is I want to tell you what's valid about that thought. What's valid about that thought is that bad things really do happen. 
Bad things really do happen. And something in our mind tells us that it shouldn't be this way. That's a very valid thought that we all have. Bad things happen, and it's not supposed to be this way. We don't have a category for bad in our minds. We, we've all been watching the videos of 9-11 of recently, and, and maybe you've gone onto the History Channel and, and watched. And, and when chaos happens, people don't know what to do. They don't know how to react. They run, they flee, they cry. We, we don't process bad very well. It's not part of our natural construct. But we know that bad things happen, and the question is, what do we do with them? And we're going to talk more about that next week. But what's invalid about this line of reasoning is it's saying because bad things happen, therefore there is no God. That doesn't necessarily fit. Now, next week we're going to address the problem of evil, so stay tuned because this is a very critical consideration in the God paradigm. But what needs to be said right now concerning the existence of God is this. Something like if you and I walked out into an open field and we found an iPhone lying on the ground and it had Amy Polly's picture on it, for example. If we, found, if we just walked out into a field and we found this phone lying on the ground with this beautiful young lady's face on it. Can I show that to you again? <laughs> I'm having fun now. <laughs> We're going to shake this baby out one way or another, right? <laughs> Well, well, you and I would never look at this phone with this beautiful young lady's face on it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we would never declare that a big explosion must have happened and somehow a phone showed up. We would never say that. A great big explosion happened and, and a phone showed up. We would never do that. And we would never look at that phone and we would, we would never say, hmm... Out of this one tiny little piece of metal, over thousands of years, a phone evolved. <laughs> and it ended up with Amy's picture on it. <laughs> we, we would never do that. It's not reasonable to think that a big bang happened and a phone showed up. And it's not reasonable to think that from one tiny little piece of metal, a phone evolved. It's not re those are not reasonable conclusions to our thinking. So I want to go back and consider what I said before. Things like our conscience. Our conscience which tells us there's a right and there's a wrong. Because we intuitively know that there is a right and a wrong. Could it be that there's a lawgiver... Could it be that there is a moral lawgiver because we have the ability to know right and wrong? Our intellect tells us that there is order and design in creation. So could it be that there's a prime mover, if you will, who put things into motion? And it could it be that there's a designer, as one man said on the video, who made things beautiful? Who made things beautiful? Could it be that in our search for God, the approach is less like a scientific experiment and more like, for example, a court of law, where the preponderance of evidence tells us not with 100% absolute factual certainty that there's a God, 
But at least that our belief in a God is beyond reasonable doubt. That is to say, it's no longer reasonable to believe that there's not a God based on the weight of the testimony in front of us. You and I were not here when John Wilkes Booth shot Abraham Lincoln, although a couple of you last Wednesday said you were. I don't believe it. None of us were there when that happened. But the preponderance of reasonable evidence and the reliability of credible testimony tells us that he did. We were not there when da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa, but the reliable testimony of history says it's reasonable for us to believe that he did. And our belief in God is much more like that than it is trying to apply a method used in the natural sciences to explore supernatural matters. It's the cumulative weight of the evidence working together in our hearts and minds that testifies to us, yes, there must be a God. It's reasonable for us to believe that there must be a God, even though we can't see Him, we can't hear Him, we can't touch Him. Now I'm going to leave our exploration of God here for today, but let me leave you with two final thoughts to set the table for our weeks ahead. The first concerns the problem of evil, which we'll address next week, and as we prepare, we might hold this analogy in our head. If our Microsoft Windows somehow actually does malfunction along the way, we do not rise up and emphatically declare that Bill Gates doesn't exist. We don't do that. In fact, we do just the opposite, don't we? We go directly to the designer of the software, don't we? And we ask him, or maybe demand of him, that he fix the problem, right? Can you see how that analogy might hold when we talk about the problem of evil in this world and what we do with the consideration of God? In my opinion, friends, evil is the greatest obstacle people have in matters of faith. In my opinion, evil is the greatest obstacle people have in matters of faith. So we're going to tackle the problem head on, and I'm not going to hold anything back. Because if we're not open and honest in the conversation, then, then we leave people in the ditches that they're in. And we've got to do better than that. But as we think about the problem of evil, I'm going to leave you with this thought also. Last week and this week, we read about someone named Jesus in the Bible. Last week, the Bible declared that this Jesus did something miraculous. The Bible told us that Jesus healed someone who is sick. And as I said, that's either true or it's not. Nobody just wrote down a nice story. They wrote down his story. It's either true or it's not. This week, the Bible told us that this same Jesus said some very powerful things. He said he was going to be crucified. And then he said of himself that he was going to be raised from the dead. Did you catch that? This Jesus himself declared that he is going to be crucified and that he is going to be raised from from the dead. Did that happen? Or didn't it? That's the only option we have. 
And if it did happen, what does it all mean? And why are these questions so critical? Because this Jesus claimed to be God. I look forward to seeing you next week as we continue the conversation.